Well, we started Thursday, 14 days of Thanksgiving here at Woodland Church, and we've asked you, if you would, to go to our public page, not our private page. Our public page is the one that has the, the graphic of our church, the, sun, the sunrise with the trees. The private page is the one that has a photograph of the church. But go to our public page and uh, just post every day through Thanksgiving something that you're thankful for and grateful for. And it's been such a joy to be reading what people have been posting there and share that with us. You know, Thanksgiving comes earlier for our friends in Canada. I um, asked them one time, why do you guys celebrate it so much earlier? They celebrate the second Monday in October. And I, they told me, it's because it's colder. Well, it's just across the river, and it's colder but I'll tell you what I told them, I'm as far north as I ever want to be. And our friends in Australia, I have some Australian friends, they celebrate Thanksgiving in the last Wednesday of November. But the Puritans, they celebrated in late September or in early October. And we know quite a bit about that first Thanksgiving. It's not a lot, but we know quite a bit to know who was there. We know what they ate. Uh, we know that they had peas, they had barley, they had corn. Sounds like Thanksgiving, doesn't it? They had turkey, wild turkey. They had venison. They had cod. They had bass on the table. It was a wonderful time when our pilgrim forefathers gathered to celebrate Thanksgiving. As a matter of fact, we have a letter, and I want to read part of it to you. It's from Edwin Winslow that he wrote about that first Thanksgiving feast. He said, our harvest being gotten in, our governor sent four men on fowling, that's bird hunting, so that we might have a more special manner rejoice together after we had gathered the fruit of our labors. Now, it's important to remember this Thanksgiving is 400 years ago that the pilgrims landed off the coast of Massachusetts. It's 399 years ago that they celebrated that first Thanksgiving. So next Thanksgiving is going to be a really special time for us to celebrate. So they four in one day killed as much fowl with a little help beside and served the company for almost a week, at which time, amongst other recreations, we exercised our arms, or they target shot and shot uh, bows and arrows. Many of the Indians coming amongst us and among the rest of their greatest, King Massasoit with some 90 men who for three days we entertained and feasted. And then they went out and killed five deer, which they bought to the plantation and bestowed on our governor and upon the captain and others. Boy, can you imagine a three-day Thanksgiving feast? I don't think I could survive. Typically, at the end of the day, I am just particularly wiped, and I have sinned boldly in eating so much. It's also fascinating to me that this has become a part of what it means to be an American in the United States. It's so ingrained in our psyche, the first Thanksgiving. Maybe we should say the first Christian Thanksgiving held in the United States. And some of my Catholic friends have reminded me it would be the first Protestant Christian Thanksgiving. And of course, that's just kind of a mouthful because in St. Augustine, they actually celebrated a little earlier than that when the Spaniards were there. They, get, they had a Thanksgiving feast. But I think the most interesting thing that stands out to me about this holiday that has some real parallels for us today is that in the middle of the war between the states, in the middle of that war in 1863, President Abraham Lincoln decided to call for a national day of thanksgiving, and he remembered this feast. 
And my grandfather was 13 years old. Not my great-grandfather, but my grandfather was 13 years old during that war between the states. And so these stories have kind of been passed down in our family from the generations, my parents and grandparents that, you know, passed these. I still remember my grandmother. Uh, She died when I was very young, but I remember her well and some of the stories that she would tell me. I lived on a farm, and, you know, we took our baths and wash tubs outside, and the water was heated up on a wood stove. So I feel like I can really connect with a part of history that most people aren't familiar with in the United States anymore. But the president in the middle of this war that cleaved the nation, now it's important to get this in context, because when a nation is at war with itself, it's very susceptible to attack from foreign powers. And Britain or France or Spain would have loved to have attacked the United States during that time. The war had divided the nation. Brother was fighting against brother, cousin against cousin. Families were pitted against one another in that war. It was taxing the nation. It was the costliest and the most deadly war that we've ever fought. But in 1863, Abraham Lincoln proclaimed what we know as the National Day of Thanksgiving. And listen to what he wrote. That year... The year is drawing towards its close and has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies. To these bounties which are so constantly enjoyed, we are prone to forget the source from which they come. They are the most gracious gifts of the Most High God who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins, has nevertheless remembered mercy. That's an important part because when I hear people read from this on secular press, I don't often hear that God is dealing with us for our sins. But God deals with us for our sins, but He remembers us in mercy. And I do thereby, or therefore, invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and all those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. Isn't that an incredible heritage that we have? Beginning 400 years ago with the pilgrims when they landed in the North America and also in this time. So let's just kind of bring this to our day and to our time. How do we celebrate Thanksgiving this year in the middle of a pandemic? How do we say to families who have lost loved ones, we had a family in our congregation lose a loved one this week, but for almost two years we've been praying with them to give their hearts to, for their brother to give their heart to Christ. And just recently, he gave his life to Christ. He put his faith in Jesus. He invited Christ into his life and wondrously God saved him. He had time to be with his family, to share with his children, to share with his his siblings and his father that He had trusted in Christ, and what a change in the joy that floods his soul. And when he breathed his last breath this Friday and went to heaven, as his brother was telling me, there's such peace in the family's heart because they know he hasn't died and gone to hell, but he has gone into the presence of our Father, as the Apostle Paul taught us in the Scripture. There's so much to be grateful for because life is brief and life is short, and none of us ever expect that time to come visiting at our door. Doors. 
There's some of us in this congregation and some of you who worship with us online. And, and by the way, I just want you to know, I was praying with you and for you online. I just kind of laid my hand over my phone for those of you that are worshiping with us right now and prayed for you as Pastor Rick was praying this morning. We're so grateful that you're worshiping with us and you're part of this family. And there's one of the men from our church that's in the hospital and he just texted that he's watching and worshiping with us online from his hospital bed. So we're praying for you as well today, that God would just bless you and keep you and bring you out of that hospital real soon. But in this time, there is still so much for us to give thanks for. We're not at a war. We may not know just how the presidential election is going to be settled just yet. I think we know, but, you know, it's still not a revolution I flew into a nation just a few days after a revolutionary overthrow of the government. All the bodies still had not been picked up. The buildings were pockmarked with artillery. The flies were everywhere. And I was there to help do relief and, and to providing relief during that time. And I will never forget journaling and just giving God thanks that in America, we don't change our government through wars. We don't change our government through revolution. We can be rancorous at time. And I know my friend in other countries, you're probably shaking your head to wonder. I've already communicated with some of you through email and Facebook. You may be wondering, it's been a difficult time, but you need to hear from your Christian friend. You need to hear from your pastor. God is still on the throne. We celebrate his love and his care, and our hope is not in the White House. Our hope is in Jesus Christ today. And so during this Thanksgiving season, we give him praise and we give him glory and honor that in this nation, we're not celebrating the change of a government by guns and artillery, but we're celebrating by what happened in a vote. So how do we remain thankful during this time? Well, first of all, let me give you a little secret about gratitude. Gratitude comes from being in the presence of God. Gratitude comes from being in the presence of God. Now, let me tell you, it's by design that you don't have an outline in your notes. The full notes and everything is on the website. It's in the app. And some of my staff were like, no, we don't need to do it that way. But there are just a few advantages to being the senior pastor. I decided I wanted you to, to take and make notes on your own. I want you to jot down on that blank page as I'm preaching. What are you grateful for? What is God, how is God taking care of you during the pandemic? What are you thankful for today? And write that down and just put that down of what you're thankful for. My wife doodles when she's thinking. She draws the cleverest little pictures that helps her kind of process and think. And so I'm asking you to do that this morning. Gratitude comes from the presence of God. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 says, sometimes it's just best to listen when you go to worship. Don't talk before you think or make promises to God without thinking them through. Sometimes it's good just to come into the house of God and be quiet. Sometimes it's good just to come into his presence and to worship him silently. And then sometimes when you sit there and you get silent, I don't know about you, but when I get quiet before the Lord, then suddenly a lot of things begin to come to my mind. Does that happen to you? You know, things that I need to do or things that maybe I wasn't thinking about. They're, they're nagging at the back of my mind that calls me concern. Like I have two children that have COVID right now down in Missouri, and we're praying for them and for our unborn grandson. And so when I find that happening, I just sit down and I'm quiet in the presence of God, and I just give that to Jesus. And if it's really bugging at me, then I remind myself like David did in Psalms chapter 42. Look at this. 
I thirst for God, the living God, saying, when will I be able to go and appear in God's presence? There's something powerful about being in the presence of God. There's something powerful about us gathering in this room to worship together today. Something powerful about your gathering with us online and to be in God's presence. David goes on and he says, I was one. He's remembering now. He's thinking back. He's talking to himself. I was once walking along with the great throng to the temple of God, shouting and giving thanks along with the crowd as we celebrated the holy festival. And as he thinks about that, he does what I've done so many times in prayer. I'll go, why are you depressed, O my soul? Why are you upset? Wait for God. You see, during this pandemic, we're not going to panic. We're going to be wise. We're going to wear our face masks. We're going to socially distance. We're going to wash our hands for 20 seconds. We're going to do all the things that are important for not only protecting ourselves, but protecting our neighbors, protecting our, our grandparents, our parents. We're going to do those smart and wise things. But read the rest of this. For I will again give thanks to my God for his saving intervention. Friends, we will give God thanks because we know this pandemic is going to come to an end. The Spanish influenza came to an end. This, panic, this pandemic will come to an end, and we're going to give God thanksgiving for that. Can you say amen this morning? And that's what we have to keep our minds focused upon. That's what we have to keep zeroed in upon. For some reason, God is allowing us to walk through this time, not only as a nation, but as a church. So let me pull you three things out of this that I want you to get. Number one, gratitude is a gift. Gratitude is a gift. And it comes from being in the presence of God. When you're in the presence of the Lord, suddenly your heart is overwhelmed. God knows who you are. You sang it this morning. You know he loves you. I said to my lost friend who asked me this question the other day, how can you know you have a personal relationship with God? And I admit, I, then I have to just lean into what Jesus says. I have to lean into the witness of the Holy Spirit that I know that the Holy Spirit bears witness with my heart that I'm a son of God and I can call God Father. You know, some of my friends who are very re religious in other religions, when we've talked about this, they don't feel the freedom to say that. They don't know that they can say that God is their father. They, don't, they can't say that God came and died for them. Matter of fact, their religion makes no room for that. And yet the one thing we know today, the gospel has stood the test of time. Jesus Christ changes lives. That's the reason why Hindus and Muslims and Jews and atheists and Buddhists are coming to know Jesus Christ. And today around the world, I was staggered this week at how many people are coming to know Jesus Christ. Friends, there is a God. He knows your name, and when you're in his presence and you're worshiping him, somehow or another, God just gives you a grateful heart. And the second thing is gratitude is a matter of faith. I mean, I am thankful for things I have not received yet. I am thankful for things that have not happened yet. I see them by faith in my mind's eye. I remember when our daughter-in-law lost her child, and, and we prayed and we wept, and she and I read a book on lamenting and grieving together, and I remember just laying on my face one day and crying out to the Lord, concerned for her, concerned for my son, grieving the loss of that child, and yet I knew that I knew, and I just began to pray, Lord, I thank you for the children. I thank you're going to make them the, the mother of many, and as I began to pray that, and 
when the pregnancy first came, we were all kind of anxious, you know, and they asked us not to say anything, but we were praying every day together, and now here we are. We're moving along. Friends, sometimes you have to give God thanks for what you don't have yet because gratitude is a matter of faith. Don't wait till you receive your answer to prayer. Give God thanks in anticipation of the answer to prayer. Does that make sense? Do you follow what I'm saying? Give God thanks in anticipation. And then thirdly, gratitude means I receive. To be grateful means I have received something from God. To be grateful means I have been given something. Let me tell you a story that I hope will help illustrate this. A family in our church some time ago, during a bitter time in their life, invited me to their home. And when I got to their home, they were smiling. They greeted me, and I got seated. And I will never forget, and she knows this story, you know, just like I'm telling it to you today. She served me a cup of coffee, and so I was so thankful for the cup of coffee I got. I took my first sip, and I got to tell you, it was the worst cup of coffee I've ever had in my entire life. It was terrible. It was, it was worse than Waffle House coffee. And if you've ever had Waffle House coffee, you know what I'm talking about. You know, it was just horrible. And so I asked for some cream and sugar to make it better. It was still terrible. And then finally they started laughing. And her husband said, Pastor, you don't like that, do you? And I go, this is, i got to be honest, this is the worst cup of coffee I've ever had in my whole life. And they began laughing. And she admitted, she says, I know, I don't know how to make coffee. It's terrible coffee. And then she brought me a sweet iced tea. And that was so good after that coffee. But in their bitter experience, we laughed. In their bitter experience, we had humor. We prayed together for a miracle. But in that, after that bitter coffee, she bought me a glass of sweet iced tea that was so delicious. And I got to tell you how bitter that coffee was. I came back to my study here at the church, and I brushed my teeth. I brushed my tongue because even the sweet tea couldn't get the taste of that terrible coffee off. But one of my lessons I took from that was how in bitterness we laughed, how in bitter, after bitter coffee, she gave me sweet tea. Friends, this is a bitter time that we're walking through as a nation through the pandemic and through the political upheaval in our nation, but there is sweetness coming. Our God is still on the throne, and gratitude emerges not when you're watching CBS or ABC. Gratitude emerges when you're in the presence of God worshiping Him. God is in control. The second thing I want you to see this morning is gratitude is the fruit of humility. Humble people are grateful people. Humble people are grateful people. I love to go to Africa. Matter of fact, if there's anything that I've missed during this pandemic, it's being able to travel and, you know, worshiping in Africa. I, I've been honored and privileged to preach in African-American churches here in the United States, and it's so much fun. I love it, the organ music, and I don't know how those organists are able to stay with you while you're preaching, but in Africa, the worship is so different. You know, worship is, it's emotional, it's expressive, but it's so different than anything I've experienced in Asia or Europe or South America or even here in the United States. Because as the Africans worshiped in, in the few nations that I've been to in Africa, oftentimes they're bowing as they worship and they get low on their knees and they move their hands almost like they're crawling back and forth. And then they'll stand and lift their hands and then they'll bow again. And I remember asking the pastor of the church I was preaching in, and he had been educated at Oxford. He's a brilliant man. I said, what does this mean? 
He says, in Africa, it's how we express gratitude. In Africa, it's how we express humility. And actually, among the Maasai, what they do, where they want to express humility, and if, if it wasn't for getting off the camera, I would do it here in the church, they will actually go and sit outside of someone's home quietly. They don't go in. They just sit outside the home, and that's their way of showing they're grateful. They're just quiet. And sometimes in God's presence, We just need to be quiet and reflective and count our blessings and think about all that God has done for us rather than think about, oh, I'm swimming with this pandemic be over. Oh, I just can't wait to be able to get on a plane again. Or, oh, I can't wait. You know, we can complain and grumble all we want, but gratitude is a mark of humility. You see, and I love to use this word because I don't get to use it often, a grumbling Christian A complaining Christian, a griping Christian, that's an oxymoron. That just simply doesn't exist. Because of all people in the world, Christians ought to be the most grateful people in the entire world. God has been so good to us. God has blessed us in our going in and our coming out. God has blessed us in the city and in the field. God has blessed us in everything we do. Look at this passage of Scripture with me from Psalms 103, verse 1. Let all that I am, let everything, every, I mean, body, soul, and spirit. I want you to feel this. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. I can remember our children at Christmas time or birthday when they they got what they wanted. They began jumping up and down. Sometimes they would just run in place. They were so excited. and, And you could see with their whole heart how enthusiastic they were. He says, let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. And then look at this next line. May I never forget the good things he does for me. Oh, friend, don't ever forget the goodness of God in your life. Don't become what so many people do, a bitter Christian, a grumbling Christian, a complaining Christian, a forgetful Christian. Don't become that kind of person. Don't become the hurt Christian that says, I'm going to stay away from church because I got hurt. Don't become the fault-finding Christian. Remember what God has done. Never forget the good things he's done. The very fact that you're listening today is the mercy and the grace of God. The very fact that I get the privilege of preaching the gospel, or these folks had the privilege of leading us in worship, it's all a gift of God to us. Look at the rest of the passage. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. I love that. He fills my life with good things, and my youth is renewed like the eagles. And that's probably one of my favorite lines in all the Bible. You know, I find every single day, God renews my strength. God renews my stamina. God renews my energy and strength. I don't know how it happens, but God does. He touches us, and it's the reason why in our Thanksgiving service, we will sing like we sing every single year. Great is thy faithfulness. God in his goodness renews us. So here are a few things I'd like you to take away from that. God forgives all your sins through Christ. If you want to forget something, forget your past. Forget your sin. 
Forget those things that you're ashamed of. Forget those things that maybe you hope your children never find out. And, and maybe forget those things that nag at you. There may be people that want to remind you of that, but you forget them because God forgave all of your sins. But what I'd like you to remember this Thanksgiving, what would your life be like if Christ hadn't saved you from your sins? Now, that's the question. What would your life be like if God hadn't forgiven you and cleansed you from your sin? That's the question to ask. I can tell you the road, the track that I was on wouldn't have ended well. The end of the story would not be what it is today. I can tell you my father, the track that he was on before he gave his heart to Christ, it would not have ended well. And there are members of this congregation who've been gloriously saved. And when they tell me what their lives were like and what God has done for them, the story would have ended so differently. Number two, God heals all my diseases. You say, Pastor, do you believe God still heals today? Absolutely. And notice this, God just doesn't diagnose my disease. God heals my disease. He heals diseases of the body. He heals diseases of the soul. He heals diseases of the mind. Last night, and I'm so thankful for everyone that gathered with us for our Saturday night prayer service online, but last night I felt such a witness in my spirit as we're praying for a young woman that needs a, a mental health healing and needs a deliverance, and she's been harming herself, and there have been some things going on. And so we were praying for her last night, and I felt something in my spirit break. And I can't tell you what's going to happen, but I can tell you this. God just doesn't diagnose. God heals. And let me bear personal witness, especially if you've never heard my story before. I grew up physically disabled. I know what it means not to be able to walk. I know what it means to, to live in pain. But understand this. Doctors, I am so thankful for them. For medications, I am so thankful thankful for them. But surgeon after surgeon has told me, just recently one of my surgeons told me, he, because I asked him, he says, no. He says, we can treat the, the disease. We can give you medication. We can do surgery and cut away the disease part and, and put something back together or put an organ in. But only God can heal. You see, God doesn't just diagnose. God heals us. And you say, well, what about the man who gave his life to Christ? He still died. Friends, he's not dead. He's alive in the presence of Jesus Christ because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that's why his family in their grief has gratitude. In their bitterness, there's sweetness. In their bitterness, there's honey. Because as a follower of Jesus Christ, you know the, the end of the story is we win, we win, we win in Christ. The third thing I want you to see is God redeems us from death. What would have happened to you for eternity if you had not trusted in Christ? Look at me this morning in the same. What would happen to you for eternity if you were to leave this place today and to be in an automobile accident? You say, Pastor, have you ever preached funerals like that? Absolutely, right after church. What would happen to you if, like, one of our students that we love so much when Becky and I were youth pastors, one of our students just suddenly just going down to the store to get milk for his mother, never got home because there was an accident and he was killed instantly. But that summer, I had held him in my arms while he gave his heart to Jesus Christ, and I watched him worship, and I watched him love the Lord. I watched him go back to school and begin to share his faith on campus. His youth pastor, his youth pastor seeing so many incredible things things happening. I want you to know today the end of the story for the Christian is we win. And then number four, God showers us with compassion and mercy. 
You see, every single day, God is pouring out his blessings upon us. And from the moment you trust in Jesus Christ, you enter into a whole new dimension of living. You begin to walk in a covenant relationship with Christ. When I was a young Bible college student, we had a homiletics book. And I will never forget one of the sermons in there. The title arrested me. And I've quoted this so often. Obedience is the key to prosperity. You see, obeying God is not a dreadful thing. Obeying God is not a hard thing. It's why David says it's something delightful to obey and to delight in God's commandments. I'm reading a new book right now called Delighting in God's Commandments. And boy, I'm just so thankful for this scholar who has taken time to go through Deuteronomy. And as I'm reading that book, Delighting in God's Commandments, God's commandments are good for us. They're healthy for us. And we learn to rejoice in His will. And then finally, God fills my life with good things. He gives me joy. He gives me peace. He gives me a family, not only physically, but he gives me a family in Christ. Look at this next passage with me, if you would. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Don't you ever forget, you have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness. You never, ever, ever have to fear the devil, the powers of hell, or anything else. J.R. Packer said something I think is so important, and I want you to get this with me. It's been said that in, in the New Testament, doctrine is grace. What is grace? Grace is when God gives me what I don't deserve. Grace is when God gives me. Let me give you an example of grace. When somebody treats me to lunch. That's grace. I don't deserve that. When somebody stops by my house and says, Pastor, I thought of you today. I, I saw this book and I purchased it. And they, that's grace. I don't deserve that. When a neighbor walks down the street and says, hey, we made these cupcakes. That's grace. You don't deserve that. And think of all that God has given us. But the ethics of the kingdom, Packer says, is gratitude. You see, An ethical Christian is a grateful Christian. Now, look at me right here. I want everyone to get this. I want you to look at me right now because I want before God you to hear what I'm saying. An ethical Christian is a grateful Christian. An ethical Christian is a grateful Christian. It's an oxymoron to be a grumbling, complaining, ungrateful Christian. That doesn't exist because the ethics of the kingdom is to always be amazed by the grace of God. Christianity, excuse me, and something is wrong with any form of Christianity in which experimentally and practically this saying is not being verified. Do you know what verified means? We use a a service called Been Verified for checking backgrounds on people who want to volunteer with our children, people who want to volunteer with our in our nurseries, or people who want to volunteer, period. We check out all hires. We just do a search on their names with Ben Verified. And they verify that what they've told us is the truth, that there's no criminal record, that there's no harm done to a child. We also use another service where we, we go through a double thing so that we can verify and say to our congregation, that whoever's taking care of your children. And so sometimes we've walked into the nursery and there'll be somebody in the nursery and I'll occasionally stop in to see the children before everything got like this. And if there was somebody not in that nursery, 
I ask that they be removed from the nursery because only people that have been verified need to be working with those children. And the way that people verify that we've been born again is that we not only love each other, but we live lives of gratitude. So again, I'm asking you to go to our 14 days of Thanksgiving, our, pe- our public page, the one with the graphic, and post every day something that you're thankful for. Well, thirdly, gratitude then will lead to a blessed life. Remember what I said about obedience leads to prosperity? Gratitude leads to a blessed life. And it's amazing to me, if you take your Bible, if I was open up my iPad right now to the book of Genesis, the very first chapter, what are you going to read? God created, God blessed. God created, God blessed. Those of you that you were history majors in college, you know how important origins are. You know how important Genesis are. You, you look hard. It, it, it's important that you know that for that first American Thanksgiving, there's not a, an abundance, but there's enough evidence of what they did through letters from uh, Winslow, through letters uh, through Governor Bradford's journal, through letters from their pastor Robinson, who did not come to uh, America, but stayed in Leiden to pastor the congregation that communicated with them. There's enough letters from the investors. There's enough letters from the governor of the Virginia plantation that came. We have evidence of what God was doing with those pilgrims, and we can tell you about how they counted themselves blessed, even though they lost half of their, of their little group, they lost half of that settlement. And the first winter, they still had a thanksgiving. And you may be grieving, you may be hurting during this pandemic, but friends, understand this, when you get in the presence of God and you begin to give Him thanks, God fills your heart, God changes your future, and America succeeded not because of the greed of the Virginia plantation, America succeeded because of what happened in a tiny little place called Plymouth, Massachusetts, that gave seed and gave birth to the fire that will become the United States of America. That is so important to know in history. And though we don't have volumes like we do now, we have enough evidence from the sources I quoted to you. What are you saying? What God began in America, God blessed. You say, Pastor, are you sure? I'm absolutely sure. You see, God blessed Noah after the flood and told him to be fruitful and multiply. God blessed Abraham, and he said to Abraham, this flawed, imperfect man, I'm not even sure I would have liked Abraham, I'm just being frank with you, this flawed and imperfect man who denied his wife so that another, another man wouldn't kill him, he said, oh, she's not my wife, but God blessed Abraham, and God said to Abraham, through you and your seed, all the nations are going to be blessed. And we are blessed today because Jesus is the Son of God, but the seed of Abraham. And so you and I, by faith, we're children of Abraham. You see, it's the nature of God to bless. Let me just take it because I'm running out of time. Jesus' first sermon, Jesus was blessed. I mean, he's preaching about blessed. And he says, blessed to the people that you least expect to be blessed. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. And you may be mourning this morning, but God still says, I will bless you. I will bless you if you keep your trust in me. Look at First Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 13. Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty For all that is in the heavens and on the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches 
and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and we praise your glorious name. Well, in closing this morning, I want to look at one more thing with you. Gratitude arises even in times of pandemic. Gratitude arises. You know, I just shared with you something a while ago that just blew me away. It's been a while since I went to check on mission statistics. During this pandemic, life has been so busy every single day for us here at the church. And my heart and my passion has always been for missions and seeing lost people come to know Jesus. So when I went to those sites and saw how many people were coming to know Christ during this pandemic, especially in nations where they're being persecuted so severely for their faith, my heart was overwhelmed. Because you see, in places where people really are poor, in places where people really are mourning there's no health care system like we enjoy here in the United States and in Canada and in Europe. It seems that God is doing amazing things and people are coming to know Him. In places where false gods and idols are not answering prayers, Christians are risking their lives to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God is not only saving, but God is healing. And I think it's time for the American church to wake up and to know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So even in this pandemic, we confess 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. Not thankful for the pandemic, but thankful to God for preserving us, for keeping us, and for the opportunities that He's given us in this pandemic. I don't know about you, I've had more opportunities for personal ministry during this pandemic than I ever could have dreamed would have happened. I've seen God's hand of faithfulness revealed. I've seen people healed, and I've buried some people. But through it all, through it all, my heart is filled with gratitude for a Father that cares for us all the way through eternity. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you would this morning. What I'd like to ask you to do this week is, would you each day write out a daily prayer of thanksgiving? I know that's going to be new for some of you because maybe you've never written your prayers before, but save that prayer. Governor Bradford kept an extensive journal he put the pages together. He put the letters in that journal at Plymouth Plantation. He gave it to his son. It eventually ended up in the Tower of North Church in Boston. We've been to that church, sweetheart. It ended up in the Tower. We believe that during the Revolutionary War, a British soldier looted it because they used that church as a stable. Somehow or another, Bradford's journal ended up in a butcher shop in Nova Scotia and was discovered in the 1700s. And the butcher was happily wrapping cuts of meat with pages from Governor Bradford's journal. 
somebody recognized it and rescued that journal. And what we have is a record that we look back upon that has shaped, listen, has shaped the psyche of the United States of America. It's why we sing, it's probably our national hymn, God shed his grace on thee. What I'm asking you to do is to write a prayer and preserve it for the generations that will follow you if Jesus tarries so they see how God has protected and preserved your family and fill it as Bradford and as Winslow and as Robinson did, fill it with gratitude to our Heavenly Father. And then I list several other things that you could help you this week if you'll just go to our app or go online. And I want to pray for you this morning. So would you join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, we love you with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And Lord, inside, my little boy is jumping up and down because great is thy faithfulness. Lord, I've seen people come to Jesus and be born again during this pandemic. And what brought them to church, what brought them to faith was, God, the hopelessness when confronted with this coronavirus. And they have learned like we have learned that, God, your people always have hope. Your people always have faith that overcome all the powers of darkness. Secondly, Lord, I'm grateful this morning most of all because Jesus Christ gave us this cup and this bread to remind us that each time we take it, we remember what you did, how great your love was to save us and to forgive us of our sins. And then finally, Lord, I'm thankful that right now that someone in this room or someone at home or listening in their car or watching later, Jesus can give their heart to you right now. And so if that's you, remember what I said? I can't see God, I can't touch God, but somehow or another, God by His Spirit, He convicts us. We know that Jesus Christ died to save us from our sins. What separates us from God? Somehow or another, we become concerned about that, and that's the work of the Holy Spirit because you wouldn't be concerned at all if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit. And that's God calling you into a personal relationship with Him. So I'm going to ask you right now, would you pray with me? Just, just pray like this. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for coming to take my place for giving your life in exchange for mine. Lord, for giving your righteousness in, in place of my sins, for giving me your peace in place, oh Lord, of my stress. And I don't understand it all, but I believe you died for me and that God raised you on the third day. And now as much as I know how, I give my heart and I give my life to you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen and amen. And if you did that, friends, right now, your sins have been forgiven, and God showers you with his compassion and his mercy. I hope you'll join me again right here next Sunday and worship with us online. God bless you. I'm so thankful that you're here. Pastor Corey is going to come.
and he wants to give you a gift. If you'll just hang around and wait for a minute, he'll tell you how you can get this gift today. God bless you. We're so thankful that you're watching with us and that you're here today. And if you prayed that prayer with us, we have this little book that we'd love to send you. So if you're watching right now, you can either write a comment or simply email us at office at woodland.church and just let us know, hey, I prayed that prayer and I'd like to receive that book and we'll send it to you. It's going to help you in your next steps and in your journey and your faith. And for those of you that are here, if you prayed that prayer along with us, please stop by one of the tables as you're exiting and just say, hey, can I get that book, that Bible? And we'd be glad to give it to you. Also, don't forget as you're exiting to uh, give, place your um, offerings in the baskets along with the communication card. And for those of you that are watching at home, you can give as well. Um, you can text to give by just texting the keyword Woodland Church. That's just one word, Woodland Church to the number 77977. Thank you, and you guys have a wonderful week. God bless.